0: This is Dan Vigella, and you're listening to AI in Industry. In this special bonus episode, we're going to be focusing on the theme of AI hardware. As it turns out, enabling AI in the enterprise sometimes requires entirely new hardware, and there are frustrations with how things are done now. This week, we interview Victoria Reggie with Graphcore. Graphcore is a hot AI hardware startup, one of the many presenters at Kasako Researchers event in Europe coming up early next month. And Victoria speaks with us about the current issues with AI hardware, sort of what some of the frustrations are, some of the factors that kind of slow down enterprise adoption or use of AI. And then secondly, she wraps up the interview with a little bit of where she sees new AI hardware finding a fit, and finding a home in the future of industry. It's a new and nascent and a very exciting space, and I think Victoria does a good job of highlighting it. This episode is sponsored by Kasako Research. For more information about sponsoring episodes on AI and industry, and reaching the largest audience of AI-focused business leaders online, visit emerj.com slash advertise, that's emerge.com slash advertise, to learn more about our sponsored content guidelines and reaching our audience here at Emerge. Without further ado, this is Victoria with Graphcore, here on AI and Industry so victoria I thought i'd sort of start us off here with just getting your take on where we are in the state of ai hardware it's a new space it's an exciting space how is newer ai hardware making its way into enterprise today
1: so new ai hardware is making its way into enterprise today from various different routes i think we have seen a lot of interest for people both uh, using physical hardware in their data centers, as well as accessing hardware from the cloud. But we're really just at the very beginning and kind of, I don't even know if we've reached the tipping point yet of <laughs> mm. using hardware for machine learning and artificial intelligence.
0: Huh? When you say the tipping point, what do you mean? To the point where most companies know they need to use it? What do you consider to be the tipping point?
1: So I would say most companies know they need to use it and obviously data scientists is one of the most popular kind of job functions yep, yep. in the space but really understanding how to use the hardware and how to how to get that to get better insights for for inference and training is really we're we're only just getting started
0: Got it and when you say that do you mean that most folks are still sort of relying on CPUs and in terms of AI specific hardware, kind of for the most part, GPUs are maybe as far as people have gone, but that we're kind of in that world as opposed to more bespoke hardware? Is that what you mean by it isn't yet started? Because it does seem like GPUs at least have some traction.
1: GPUs definitely have traction. I think it's that the explosion of data and um, the explosion of compute and cloud computing that's happened over the last several years has just led to a hunger for m- even more, more computing power yeah. and different computing power that solves problems that not only like people are challenged with today, but what machine learning researchers and um, experts in the AI space see as the challenges that are five years from now, 10 years from now. And so we built a processor called the IPU, Intelligence Processing Unit, and we built it from scratch, from the ground up, to support the future models. Today we train models with incredible amounts of that data and we infer from the model, but that's really just the beginning because today's models struggle with context and the Mm -hmm. ability to learn from experience. And that's what using today's hardware is kind of holding people back from achieving the next breakthrough. So training is taking far too long than people would like training a data set and models can't really be deployed in real time. And that's why you're seeing um, so many so many different companies and why we have different conferences just focused yeah. on AI hardware and new types of hardware.
0: Yep. There certainly are a lot more events. I mean, you're speaking at the Casaco event, and obviously that's why you and I are talking. I remember two years ago when they, they first brought us on to bring attention to these topics and, and promote their events. I think they had maybe one or two events that year. And now this year, it's you know eight of them. So clearly, companies like yours are raising money. Events are proliferating. There is a knowledge that a lot of things need to shift in terms of what the norms are for hardware. But it sounds like the challenge is people kind of have their existing workflows with GPUs. They've already had maybe enough of a hard time trying to adopt that technology from, from a CPU world to get mm-hmm. used to AI that maybe the, the friction of changing processes and the friction of changing infrastructure is maybe a bigger barrier than finding a technology that could do the better job? Is that safe to say?
1: I think it really just depends. We've gotten a lot of feedback from leaders in the AI space on both what's holding them back, what what they would do if they had a different type of processor. And we also spent a lot of time building our popular software roadmap at the same time as we built the chip to uh, provide less of a, a friction point for people who are using GPUs or or CPUs or FPGAs today. Really, it's just a matter of, it's it's really straightforward with IPUs um, to kind of plug into the existing machine learning frameworks that people are using today, like TensorFlow and PyTorch and Onyx. And actually, when those frameworks have only been around for a few years, um, you'll see OpenAI recently announced like that they're they're planning to use PyTorch going forward. When we first started GraphCore, none of those machine learning frameworks in- existed. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yep. And so building an architecture and a software stack that's flexible and allows people to make big breakthroughs is what we're focused on. And once we have a chance to share with AI researchers and practitioners, why are architectures different and and how easy it is to use with our software stack. Uh, many people are kind of jumping at the chance to, to use IPUs. So back at the end of 2019, um, Microsoft announced that IPUs were available in Azure.
0: That's a big win for you guys.
1: So that's fantastic. And yep. so we have Lots of different industries and and different types of people who are really focused on solving challenges that if it solves their pain point or their issue or allows them to do something faster with better efficiency, switching hardware is not a big deal. And in fact, some people who are data scientists don't even care what the underlying hardware is necessarily, as long as they're getting the results.
0: I imagine most of them don't. I think the partnership with Azure sounds like a nice jump for you guys. It seems like the fear for the buyers here is gonna be, okay, what new thing other than PyTorch is gonna be popular two weeks from now? And what new hardware company is gonna be best working with that two weeks from now? And sort of how how stable is this world that I'm hanging out in? And I think that the more use cases you have, the more people that start building on this architecture, the more firm that ground feels for for new adopters. Um then they'll just be able to grab it, like you said. They're not going to care what it ultimately is, so long as they think it's going to be there. You know, to your point, yeah, data scientists. I don't think they really think they really care, so long as the job gets done and gets done quickly. And obviously, there's hurdles with GPUs doing that. I I know we have talked about something off mic here that I figured would be worth bringing up because I know this is part of sort of what you folks are working on and and part of the challenges with. Current AI hardware is a difference between kind of inference and training. Um, I don't think most business-minded folks, the audience that we appeal to here, will necessarily realize what those challenges are. But would you mind kind of elaborating on that? What what are the the differences between training and inference, and sort of how we can square that circle?
1: Sure. So training is essentially referring to the process of creating a machine learning algorithm. It involves the use of a framework like PyTorch or TensorFlow and a training data set. So uh, data scientists, engineers can have a data set and a model that they use to train for a variety of use cases. And then inference actually refers to the process of using a trained machine learning algorithm to make a prediction. So inference is when the computer's learning from the data that it trained on. So one of the good examples of that is in the autonomous driving space. So many of the autonomous driving companies have to train all of their data sets to come up with all the possible scenarios of, you know, what, what could happen if it's raining if it's snowing if it's a hill if it's there's traffic identifying whether there's um a leaf blowing across the street versus a child crossing the street and doing all of that in in real time i mentioned earlier like people are frustrated that training is taking so long and that models can't be deployed yet in real time and so that's why we have different types of hardware yeah. and Uh, A great other just kind of simple use case as well is if you work with colleagues in different countries, if you were able to converse with them and they could talk in their language and you could talk in your language and in in real time, you can hear each other, um, but in the language that you understand, that's an example of one of those things that innovators are really looking to to kind of get to. So being able to deploy the data in real time, but in order to do inference, you have to do the training part first. Yeah. So today, most people use different types of hardware and then they have to kind of transfer the data from one one kind of hardware to another. The IPU was developed to be able to support both. So you can do inference or training which makes it a lot easier in terms of saving you time just even from transferring the the learnings from the training over to the inference.
0: That is certainly the promise. And, and uh, in terms of what that current, you said moving the data sort of from, a, let's say our training environment to our inference environment, what does that look like now today? I'm trying to close my eyes and think about what this looks like in automotive, like you had mentioned, or in translation, as you'd mentioned. Sort of, is it GPU stack A to GPU stack B? You know, do they have to change the format of said data in some way, shape, or form? Or, or it sounds like that's a very gunky and a, a bit of a frustrating process for making these systems fast. What practically, I guess, is happening in the back end when that big clunky shift is occurring?
1: It really depends on the the specific use case. But I think if we take the example of autonomous vehicles, the training happens in a data center with racks and racks of of hardware. And what they want to do is be able to infer, like in the car. Obviously, you can't really, you can't drive around a, you can't put a data center in a car (laughs) necessarily. That wouldn't be practical. But I think that's one of the things that autonomous driving companies are focusing on. They can achieve full autonomy if they've got the data in two different places. So I know there's a few different speakers at this upcoming. Conference who are focused on on embedded and it's just really the case of bringing bringing the training results closer to the computer's ability to to infer. Got it.
0: Yeah, and I imagine the folks who are listening in who are technical are somewhat aware of of what that process looks like and maybe some of the frustrations involved. The last thing I wanted to riff on with you here, Victoria, is the future. You know, as you and I are chatting and in my conversations with various and sundry folks connected through the kind people at Kasako, it seems pretty evident that there is AI hardware change afoot. There are better ways of doing things. We're all looking for kind of better new normals. And that shift in AI hardware is not going to happen across the board. It's not like all of a sudden everybody using GPUs is going to switch or everybody who was thinking about using GPUs, is now going to use something new. These new AI hardware technologies are probably going to get adopted in some spaces more than others, maybe some geo regions more than others, maybe some industries uh, more than others. When you look ahead and you think about the next half decade of AI hardware adoption, where do you think this stuff has the biggest likelihood of having some teeth and getting picked up and why?
1: Sure. So some of the areas where it's being used today and, and has a lot of potential are in the financial sector. So hedge funds and quants and people who are trying to make better decisions about their financial forecasting or analyzing things over a series of, of time. So there's something called Markov Chain Monte Carlo, and that's a probabilistic model that's really suited to time series analysis problems. So we've seen customers be able to use that to train to train their models in four or five minutes instead of two hours, which eventually makes it yeah, um, you do enough of those two hours. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I get it. Yep. The other space we're seeing a, a big shift in is healthcare. Hmm. So looking at how can doctors identify problems sooner whether it's like a hemorrhage or a cancer or any something where you know if they could if if the models could infer based on images or data and give a faster diagnosis and also a more precise diagnosis that benefits everyone that benefits the the patients and so there are there's um At the medical conference at the end of last year called RSNA, there was a Kaggle competition where um, folks were provided 600,000 image slices of brain hemorrhages. And they were able to, all the data was augmented and they were able to run it on a model and find out that using this new hardware, the IPU, they were able to run the model two times faster than existing hardware today, and have four times more efficient. So if you think about just helping helping doctors identify problems sooner, or even if computers can infer, you know, what's going to happen to a patient, so they can say, you know, you're on track to have some type of health incident, but here are the things that you can change today to prevent that from happening. I think... That's one of the areas I'm most excited about because you can. that's something that benefits everyone. Yeah,
0: yeah, I'm with you. Um, So just a little bit of clarity here as we wrap up. When you said finance, you're talking more about the hedge fund world who I think we'd associate pretty snugly with being more on the leading edge of trying to adopt, again, the very cutting edge technologies, leveraging the most cutting edge approaches. These are the folks that maybe are trying to stay ahead of the curve. And in fact, maybe their whole value prop is staying ahead of the curve. Do you think Mm -hmm. that that sort of Aggressiveness that we find in hedge funds versus, let's say, your average mid-sized bank, like your super regional bank, like a Citizens, right? They pound for pound don't have as much ardent, burning desire to adopt the screaming edge of AI. Is that that sort of cutting edge need part of what makes them maybe more likely to use newer AI hardware versus, let's say, a clunky, random mid Western bank?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think the innovators and, and early adopters of technology help set the tone for other folks who are maybe more hesitant to transition to newer products. They're also the ones that, you know, they make the breakthroughs in the space that then, you know, the rest of, of that industry can, can benefit from as products get more mature and as algorithms get more sophisticated. But certainly hedge funds are very motivated to, to use cutting edge technology.
0: Yeah. And, and wh- whether the healthcare world feels the same way is a, a much bigger floating question. In my mind, I would I would foresee Merck throwing down the big bucks more than uh, the Mayo Clinic throwing down the big bucks. But time will tell on that one. Regardless, it sounds like those are two spaces where you see relatively near-term adoption or need. And that's useful for the folks tuned in who are interested in where this stuff is headed. So Victoria, I know that's all we have for time, but thanks so much for being able to share your thoughts here on AI and industry.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Dan.
0: So that's all for this special bonus episode on AI and industry. Next Tuesday, we'll be kicking into our normally scheduled program where you'll be hearing from the CEO of Frazy, a company focused on using AI to customize email subject lines and social media posts. If you're interested in the future of customer experience, If you're interested in AI for improving conversion rates and online engagement, it should be a pretty interesting episode as to the limits and possibilities of artificial intelligence. So be sure to stay tuned for next Tuesday's episode here on AI and Industry, and I will catch you then.